0: Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. As many folks have figured out by now, the never ending stream of tweets coming out of the White House these days generates lots of news coverage and, at the same time, pushes a lot of much more serious matters off the front pages of newspapers and the headlines of news sites. Whether that's purposeful or coincidental, we leave to the opinions of listeners. The recent hoo-ha about WikiLeaks posting 8,000 pages of what purport to be CIA hacking capabilities, and all of the back and forth in the press about those revelations, has also buried a lot of other news, like the investigations of purported contacts with various Russian players during the recent presidential election. Interestingly, and perhaps surprisingly, This latest WikiLeaks action has not resulted in a great spew of condemnations from the tweeter-in-chief, who has, in fact, actually been quite quiet about it all. In the wake of these most recent WikiLeaks revelations, one listener asked, Do we effectively have no privacy from government surveillance left on the internet, or on our phones, or in the electronic world in general? That's a difficult question to answer mostly because what privacy may mean to one person can be different from what it means to someone else and is also almost certainly different from what it means to government agencies that are charged with security or law enforcement. One of these days, we'll devote a few editions of The Electronic Cottage to thinking about what personal privacy might actually mean in the digital age. But for now, one answer we can offer to that question, with a high degree of certainty, is that the U.S. government, and probably governments of other countries as well, absolutely has the technology to put any of our personal lives on a digital platter, if the government chooses to do so. There are two things that keep that from happening. One is a limitation simply being able to sift through all the information that the NSA collects, for example, as it siphons all of the digital material leaving or entering the country, and a lot of what never leaves at all. The other thing, and by far the most important one, is the law. And one of the laws that seeks to limit some of the collection of data about Americans within the United States who are not under any sort of investigation for being a danger to national security, is Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, often referred to as FISA. One of the stipulations of that act says that the law simply cannot be used to, quote, intentionally target any person known at the time of acquisition to be located in the United States, end quote that wording seems pretty clear to pretty much any competent speaker of English. Unfortunately, the NSA has twisted that straightforward statement by Congress into a tortured pretzel of interpretations that have allowed the NSA, through the agency's own reasoning and extremely questionable definitions of terms, to essentially collect data on pretty much any American, even those in the U.S., as the revelations by Edward Snowden demonstrated through NSA data collection programs like PRISM. This isn't the time to once again go over what that program or others did and very likely continue to do. Let's just say that if you think that anything you send over the internet is not in an NSA database somewhere, you are probably mistaken. Ditto for any phone calls you make overseas and quite possibly those you make in this country as well. The NSA has long maintained that any data that may be collected on American citizens in the U.S. is quote, incidental, although that data, even if not authorized for collection, is not erased. But how many such incidental Americans has the agency captured in its surveillance collections? Nobody knows. Congress people and congressional committees have been asking every year, sometimes several times a year, for that information since at least 2011. No answer to date. But guess what? Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act is set to expire at the end of 2017 unless extended by an act of Congress. Oh, you haven't heard about that? amidst the tsunami of tweets and insults and froth and outrage that seems to be the daily diet in Washington these days. What a surprise! A cynical person might even suspect that the verbal flotsam and jetsam that we daily put up with from our elective officials that amounts to nothing, serves nicely to keep these kinds of very important issues out of the news headlines and from public awareness. But now, we know about the upcoming renewal of this very critical act. Law is, after all, the major way that we can aspire to maintain whatever personal privacy we have in the digital world, and maybe even reclaim some of what has eroded so badly in the past few years. If you're interested in understanding how a law that says, in simple English, that it cannot be used to, quote, intentionally target any person, known at the time of acquisition to be located in the United States, end quote, how that wording has turned into vacuuming programs like PRISM, go to weru.org and then go to today's program page for a link that explains the history of that process. And if you're interested in what you might do to ensure that Congress does not roll over once again and renew FISA without getting the answers it's been asking the NSA for five years, and without hopefully improving the law's language so that even the NSA can understand it, check the links posted on the page for today's Electronic Cottage, and then let your opinions be known to your Congress people. Technology often outstrips law, and the technology that exists today is capable of making our most personal lives visible to the government. If that's what we want as a citizenry, fine. If not, it's critical to remind our elected officials that the governed have the ultimate say in a democratic republic and that law can and should control the harmful effects of technology in otherwise unfettered government hands. Some of today's technology can be used to our detriment. Some, thankfully, can be used to our benefit. And we'll do our best to keep an eye on both kinds, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.